Hello and welcome to today's episode of Life and Pastimes podcast. I am joined today by the lovely Adam Wright. I have known him now for about seven years and it's such a pleasure to have him on the show talking all about his mental health and OCD as well as a couple of little bits of sarcasm thrown in there as well. So I hope that you enjoy today's podcast. So I'm joined today on Life and Pastimes with Adam Wright, who's come on to talk about all his men- all about mental health and different types of OCD that people might not necessarily class as OCD. Um, so Adam, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me. No worries. I'm well, I'm well. I'm well. I'm well today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. <laughs> Good to hear. Um, so <laughs> tell us a little bit more about you then. Well, so I'm in my 30s and a few years ago, um, around 2017, um, 2017, 2018, um, I started to develop um, some OCD I never considered myself to have any type of OCD or any other mental health related um, illness at all. Mm. And it sort of came out the blue. Um, And it sort of opened my eyes a little bit to how things can change so suddenly and uh, that the different types of mental health, especially OCD, because the, uh, the sort of OCD that I had experienced wasn't typically what people associate with OCD so it um, it was quite scary um mm. it fluctuates between year on year and I don't think a lot of people know enough about it in in society um at the moment so mm. it's really interesting this podcast this opportunity uh, to talk about it really Yeah, it seems like there's been almost a preconception developed about people that have OCD and people typically in society associate it with cleaning and, but that's all that's talked about, but that's not helped by certain documentaries on TV that just show people cleaning a house and this, that and the other, when in actual fact there's people like you that have got a different type of OCD that doesn't get recognised widely. Exactly, yes. And originally, when when I um, saw some mental health experts and, and started having some therapy in the earlier days, when that term OCD was first used, I was sort of taken aback. I was quite surprised because I, like you just mentioned, associated that with rituals, like cleaning rituals and... Um, you know, having to do uh, certain actions every single day. Um, that, that's what I associated it with quite wrongly. Mm. Um, and as, as mine developed, um, it was sort of put down to sort of general stresses over time that gradually creeped up. And after a while, a switch goes in your, in your brain. And literally my case was one day, no OCD, the next day I had it, it was literally that quick. And that sort of was an eye opener because that could happen to anybody. Yeah. And 
you know, things things build up. Um, and so just going on to that type, sort of types, where mine started was to do with sort of like setting up like computer settings and social media profiles and making things match or not match um, or, you know, or grouping or categorizing things like photos and folders yeah. and and things like that. And so mine was quite a technical IT based issue. It wasn't necessarily um, any sort of OCD issue related to outside of a computer environment. It was all to do with online and social media and photos and, and, and things like that. And that was quite something because I never, I never saw this coming in a million years really. No, it's thing. That's the thing with mental health that people don't necessarily think. They just think that they're going to be absolutely fine until one day, a bit like you, um, a switch goes and everything's haywire all of a sudden. Um, but this is why, like, mental health needs to be spoken about a lot more than it is already. Um, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, to erase the stigma around it as well, because there definitely shouldn't be that at all. I don't know if you've encountered that at work or home or anything. Well, it, no, it's interesting because there's not many, I will be honest, there's not many people around who know about uh, know about this sort of thing on a personal level. Um, obviously, close friends and family know, but it's not something I really talk about in the open so this, this is probably the first time that I've probably been open about about that um, and that's not necessarily because you know I mean I suppose there is a little bit of a, a, a stigma you know like a fear that if, if you if you as soon as you mention things like this you might get categorized you know as you as you know I've completely lost the plot and that was something which you know obviously isn't true there's lots of people with OCD who, who, who manage it quite successfully yeah exactly um, you know, but there, there is a stigma, I think, about people who come out with that. It could affect their employment, their friendships, how the family see might see you. And, you know, when you're classed as a mental health uh, patient, you know, or, or, or somebody who's got a mental health condition, you know, th you know rightly or wrongly, it's definitely certainly wrong, um, people could look at you in different light. So it's yeah. not really something, it's not really something I... Uh, sort of mention really but it's just nice to know that um there are people aware of it yeah and there are sort of charities organizations and rental health um therapy uh, solutions yeah and you know, to help to help people who have this uh, this condition yeah absolutely i mean um charities are a huge thing um that have helped no end of people um but I noticed when I was doing research for this podcast that there weren't that much research around or that much information there to be able to mm. glean any facts from um which mm. for me I find quite strange yeah it's um I can relate that to when I was initially seeking support and help it's it, it can be quite tricky to find the you know the right places and sources you know 
um, for where to go mm. to, for, 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 for this for this kind of uh, situation. Um, I have to say one of the, um, you know, one of the best sort of things I've ever come across has been like the talking therapies, um, which, you know, where you get to speak to somebody. Um, and I, I, I've gone down two routes with that. You know, I've gone down the NHS route here in the UK. Mm. And I've also gone down the private route here in the UK, which, you know, can be quite costly. But sometimes the sometimes the needs must, um, and those those two avenues have both mentioned various charities and websites you can go to to get self help, mm. um, and that's fantastic, and you can go to these sort of uh, sites for support. Um, but what what I think is really important is that doctors and therapists don't over rely on these websites for self help because sometimes people need um, their support directly mm. um, you know and it has been known and I, I have I have come up with this uh, situation before where you go to your GP and you're literally given a printout of useful websites you know and off you go on your way you know and that's that that's fine to a certain extent but sometimes, you know, I think sometimes there is a need for actually someone's got to step in here and provide that support. Mm, absolutely. Um, because, I mean, no two people are the same. And especially when it comes down to mental health, um, no two illnesses are the same. Even an illness of the same type can affect somebody else completely differently. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, were there any differences for you going between going to the NHS and private, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so I started with the NHS Talking Therapy uh, solution, and I think they're all named differently based on what region you're, you're in in the UK. But just for, just for general purposes, we'll just call it Talking Therapies. So when I first um, instigated this and I believe it was around late 2017 I, 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 I believe don't quote me on that um I the the talking therapy was group based they initially when you first start with this and if they consider you as a low level sort of risk or OCD um you know sort of mental health because they do they do these tests these like these questionnaires you have to answer and you come up with scores so based on that score is where they fit you in the severity level um so the first one for me was group based and that that group was not really um supporting you in your direct case it was more about of a group effort more about depression and stress relief because they are th th those factors are heavily linked to OCD and they can also ignite OCD mm. so that was some that was something that that I did and I did that and that was fine to to an extent um but I did feel that I needed a bit more than a group based generic uh, sort of um, support there so um shortly after that um and I believe it, this this will be around 2018 time. Mm. Um, I then I then uh, went out to seek private therapy, um, 
which, as you can imagine, is very costly. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's anywhere between fifty to a hundred pounds a session. A oh session's typically yes, yes, and a session's typically an hour. Um, and those price, I say fifty to a hundred because that can fluctuate between depending on the person, the location, and 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 obviously the length that uh, of the session that you have. But um, it's quite expensive. So you can imagine if you if you went to have private therapy once a week, that's going to be a considerable amount of money um, over that period of time, especially a couple of months. Mm. Um, so with the private therapy, going back to the question that you that you asked, yeah, it was dif- it was different. Mm. It, it was more personal and more yeah. um, more focused on your actual individual needs mm. um with, with with the OCD in my case but what I then later found was two things one it's no good finding any private therapist who's local because you need to make sure they understand mm. the OCD therapy because yeah. some will they're really good they're experts they've done it for a long time and they know about depression and anxiety, but OCD does require a bit of a different um, type of therapy in some cases. Yeah. Um, so that that's important. And I did find the private therapist was really good. And yes, it did help, but it wasn't really focusing on the OCD directly. It was more about the generic depression, anxiety, mood and how to sort of get through those situations but the 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 OCD wasn't really part of that so I think for anyone out there who who has or is considering private therapy very important to do your research first Mm. or at least initially meet them and discuss the OCD to see if they're coming up with the right sort of treatment plans for you because it does require um, as I say, a bit of a different, different take on that. I'll come on to the sort of therapies and what what OCDs, or, you know, how it links to that later, if you like. But after that, um, I um, I progressed through the private therapy. But the, but the second point that I wanted to make is, I also felt I was spreading out the sessions really thin because mm. I wanted to, to cut down the cost. So yeah, it, it, it would get to a point where right, I'm not going to have that week or actually let's go once a month now. Because you're always conscious that there's a cost. Yeah, so you, can't all, you can't always have the sessions that you probably want because, you know, you need to start spreading this out. Yeah. So, I mean, even though the sessions are tailored, the cost kind of puts you off kind of go in once a week or however often you really need to to see the benefit definitely I mean if the cost is between 50 to 100 pounds here in the UK you're doing that once a week for for, you know for half a year that is an enormous amount of money which you know you certainly need very deep pockets (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean it's not feasible. I don't think it's feasible. I mean, some would argue that if this situation's, you know, dire and, and you're in a crisis, you know, you can't put money on mental health, which I, you know, is fine. But there also comes a point where you think to yourself, well, 
we pay in the UK national insurance. Yeah. Um, we have the NHS. The NHS has some really good therapy uh, services, mental health services. Mm. It is possible to get in, but you have to really try hard and sometimes wait a while to get it. Mm. Um, so shortly after that, private uh, therapy, um, then going into the next year, which 2019 time, I then reapproached the NHS about uh, therapy again. And my score was quite high, OCD score. Mm. And again, don't quote me, I think it's like OCI, or there's some sort of test that they go and you get some sort of score. And my score was quite high. Um, and they put me on this um, programme. Uh, which was private it was direct you know with it was it's sort of one-on-one -on -one through the nhs and it was based online mm. so because because there was quite um, a high case rate they couldn't address the needs face to face this is before covid by the way so they um, put me onto this online program it's a website that you log into you're assigned a therapist um and you book appointments with them online and this was once a week or it started once a week and you would talk to them online like a messenger program okay and they could and they could send you files and they could also set you tasks to do in between the the live sessions so um you could sort of receive files complete things and then they would review them in their own time and then chat with you the next time you had a meeting about what you'd done yeah. So, and I really like that. I like the online because mm. you get to keep a transcript of all the discussions that you've had that like the typing. That's brilliant. And you, you, know, you can keep them. And to me, in a way, I know this might sound a bit strange and maybe I'm biased because I'm an IT, you know, I've got an IT background, <laughs> but I sort of think that might be better in a way because sometimes face to face you can't record or capture everything they're telling you no you can't so 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 so, so there's no recall mm. um so yeah it's not it's not for everyone online some people prefer faith and you know i i agree you know in some situations that's needed but i really like the online because a it was quick mm. b um you know you haven't got to travel you just connect straight away and I think C, the important thing, is they they assign a therapist somewhere in the UK on the NHS system who's best matched to your needs. Whereas locally, if it was face to face, mm. you'd, you'd be limited to those people in your region. Yeah, you would. So, so um, I found that quite useful, really. The 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 uh, online uh, talking therapy. Um, but I've heard all sorts of things from other people that they've had generic online courses where they do modules and um, like, like sort of study programs where there's not really a person they talk to. There's someone's there behind the scenes monitoring what you're doing and just step in if you've got a problem. Mm. Now, that would that would concern me. Yeah, I think that would concern me, especially if the OCD sort of score that you've had in your initial questionnaire is quite high yeah I don't think uh self-paced study modules 
is because and you know really my argument is you could go to google and study it yourself and you know if if, if you wanted to do that most nine times out of ten you would have gone to do that even before you requested that the uh, the therapy exactly yeah um i mean especially if like the information's out there which nine times out of ten these days about generic therapies it is yeah um, exactly but yeah, it, I think it's just unbelievable, like the differences between the different methods that people use. And I mean, the NHS one seems very varied, yes, but in the same sense, it's not, they're still not tailoring to like the individual. Now, this then comes down to how stretched um, NHS is and how you know, there's some really good people in the NHS and I'm really thankful we have NHS here in the UK, which is which for those outside of the UK, that's our national health service, which we, um, we, we, we all pay into from our wages. And literally, we, we're getting really good free health care. Yeah. And it's a system, a system that some countries are crying out for. So, you know, I am, help, I am sort of grateful for that. But on the other side, there does seem to be a concern about waiting times and um, be you know, being taken. I wouldn't say taken seriously because I, I think I think you are taken seriously, but I think sometimes they can't do nothing about it because there's not the resource there to mm. to address this, um, which is a concern because mm. in recent times, it, it's twenty twenty one as as we're recording this. Um, unfortunately, since twenty nineteen to 2021 I had quite a good couple of years I had no relapse the the 2019 online therapy um, was quite successful and I would probably say you know dare I say it yeah I'm going to say it that for those two years afterwards I would consider myself to have to have led a normal life with no OCD symptoms at all mm. And that I was under the impression that once you had OCD, it's very hard to get out of that. Mm. And you can sort of soften the blow and make it make it easier on you. But actually becoming, you know, sort of experiencing normality, as it were, I didn't think that was possible for me. But it was that that, that online therapy was that good and mm. um, because the online one literally targeted my personal issues and the therapist wanted to know exactly a what my OCD was and b what I was worrying about and c what the OCD was telling me to keep doing or checking and so it's actually personal to do with my issues it wasn't generic this is what OCD is and this is how we tackle it it was actually to do with my actual problems and that was tackled every session. We did sort of one or two problems at a time. Um, and that's that's where we were. So that was two years. And then unfortunately this year I had a bit of a bit of a relapse with um, OCD. Um, reasons unknown really, but there's a lot for me, there's been a lot going on um, in recent times. And one of those factors probably is the whole COVID situation because we all know that's been quite, um, quite <laughs> <Testing>. stressful. 
Yeah, testing. <laughs> testing is a good <laughs> word. Yeah, certainly testing. Um, mm. But that was the first relapse I had. So I have reapproached in recent times NHS for um, similar therapy. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, this time, the score which came out was too high, apparently, um, to be considered for the online therapy, which I was gutted about because now mm. it needs to be you know, with an actual person that you talk to. Um, and again, it's not going to be face to face. It's going to be telephone um or so which is what i've been told um and I need, I'm, I need to wait and i've been waiting definitely over a month now it must be it's probably nearly two months but it's definitely over a month between yeah. one and two months um i've been waiting for some sort of phone based therapy to start now that is a big concern for me because i have i, I will admit this year's been a struggle the, the, OC, the OCD really gripped me at one point, um, you know, in this sort of early to mid-summer period. And if it wasn't for certain f- friends and family, I'm not sure how, how I would have managed during the waiting period for this, um, this, for this, this therapy to start. Um, but it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, it, it, does need, um, it does need looking at. And personally, my my personal view is I understand that putting someone onto an online therapist with such a high score could be seen as a risk because you can only type to them at certain points and Mm. that you can't talk. Um, But on the other hand, if that was an option given to me, I could have started ages ago. Yeah. You know, and I could have you know, tackled and discussed feelings and thoughts. You know, I could have been, I could have been four to six weeks into that by now. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we are where we are. Um, I'm still waiting, really. And that, that is mean, a concern. And- it makes you laugh, really, because the NHS knew that this whole mental health thing would blow up around covid and in the aftermath i suppose you could call it hopefully um of covid and yet the resources still aren't there no, exactly um, and i know i know there's possibly a shortage of therapists especially on the nhs um either that or there's just such a big increase that, you know, the therapists that they have can't um, reasonably manage the caseload. Um, and I know, I know therapists, you know, it's a really hard job and they're all professionals and they have to be careful. They can, they can only take on so many cases at a time. And, and those cases are often supervised as well. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's quite a big system we're talking about here. Um, of how of how they manage how they manage this, but um, and it's not just myself that I'm that I worry about. It's also other people because if I'm waiting mm. uh, one to two months, and yeah, okay, my score was high. It's quite severe, but I am sure there's people in worse cases than me who actually are really struggling to sort of survive on a daily basis because of OCD I'm quite lucky that I've got people around me 
mm. that sort of keep me going and I've got things to do that I can keep occupied with but there's probably some people who, who haven't got that and I do think well what if those kinds of people are also waiting because mm. you know, the NHS don't know that I've got people around me and that I, I, I'm trying to keep occupied so it no, worries I mean... me what other people yeah, I mean, for me, that would be an obvious question of taking somebody on to get mental health treatment. The first thing that I would probably ask would be, what's your support network like? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, NHS do mention it, but they don't know the ins and outs and how frequent that is and how accessible mm. that is. You know, I mean, if, I mean, you know. I'm not, but there could be a situation where I, I, I could have moved away and there's no there's no one in a hundred miles who, around me who I know. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you could be waiting for, for that. So that that does um concern me a bit. And you know, and it's other I know there's probably some other people, like I said, who are in such a worse situation than me. And if they're waiting like this, you know, I do feel for you. Mm. If, if you know, if you're listening to this and all I can say is hang in there, keep positive, and you know the support will arrive. But it's just when mm. is the question. Um, I mean, with me, I'm going to have to contact them again. I think just to make sure they've uh, still got me on the system because it does make you wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> it does when they um, linger so long. Um... But yeah, I mean, mental health is such a difficult thing to deal with on your own anyway, um, without getting delays for treatment. Exactly. And, you know, I know the NHS is busy and I know there's all sorts of different uh, needs that people have. But in my case, um, there was there was a time, there was a day or probably a week even where it was quite severe. Mm. and sometimes that you know you hang in the balance mm. you know you can literally go you can literally go from uh having an okay day to a day that's completely unbearable you know and we have to admit it ocd mental health depression can bring out the darkest thoughts in people mm. um, and i admit i've been there I'm definitely not going to sugarcoat that. I've been there. And it does sometimes, it makes you think, what's the point? Sometimes, mm. you know, and that's really hard to get out of that thought process. And, you know, God forbid that any, you know, anyone, you know, has, has to get, goes down that road. But it's really important to know that the support's out there, there's support networks, charities, there's therapists. Absolutely. And also speak, speak to family and friends is the biggest thing mm. because, if it wasn't for that, I would probably say I wouldn't be here talking about it now. I think I think that is how serious it can be between talking and not talking to somebody. Mm. I think, and I know that's quite a big statement to make, but <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I think in reality that's what it is. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, it just shows because the even the google trends data for ocd went up mm -hmm. in 2020 but it started to come back down again now so it makes you wonder how many people are in the same position as you and 
or maybe aren't seeking help. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? And, Mm. um, you know, and again, with the with the COVID situation and there's also this uh, ongoing um, setup where some services like accessing your GP haven't um, haven't resorted back to face to face in some cases mm. and it's online triage telephone consultations and filtering out um, those people who don't need to be seen um, now again I certainly don't want to be the person who moans about their NHS because I know how good they are and, ha- and how much stress they're under. Mm. And I also know that GP, GP waiting times and access accessing them has been a, you know, a, has been a struggle for many years, even before COVID. So COVID on top of that, um, has just brought additional, you know, additional strains, but it does make you wonder based on that data you mentioned mm. are there people who can't access their gp in a traditional sense and they're too scared to do the any online gp uh, interactions mm. so because because they can't speak to their gp normally are they just not mentioning or coming forward that there's mental health issue there especially ocd you know, being one of them mm. you know does it just make you wonder if that to, I mean, this is only speculation. There's no facts to support this, but no. you know, f- f- throwing that out there, can people even access, you know, these services? Mm. It does because, make yeah. it does certainly make you wonder how widely they're being accessed. No, it does. It does definitely, and you know, there are situations where you need to see your GP. And you get a rapport, a relationship with your GP and you get to know them. Mm. And sometimes you want to go and have a bit of a chat about something. Um, but, you know, it's online. If it's online or it's a triage telephone uh, consultation, you could be speaking to anybody and you've got to tell them all the ins and outs of the problem. Sometimes even before you get an appointment. Yeah. They need to know that because I need to know what's happening to categorize. Uh, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but to categorize you into some sort of mm. severity level. As in, do you need to be seen face to face? Do you need to be seen online on a video or chat app? Or do you need to be um, spoken to over the phone? So and sometimes people don't want to divulge that information. You know, they want to see their GP in a room with the door closed and, and have a chat. Exactly, because, again, every person is different and everybody maybe doesn't want to talk to somebody else that they're not familiar with because of confidentiality as well. Exactly, yeah. These are all factors, aren't they, that um, could be, you know, not saying we don't know, but it could be a a cause for that uh, decline in mental health slash OCD data. Mm for for you know for that but to me it's definitely it's definitely challenging times at the moment yeah you can say that again i think i think (laughs) i think that's the 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 right way of putting it at the moment you know i I don't think there's any other way of putting it at the moment (laughs) (laughs) no it's um, definitely been something hasn't it especially the last couple 
couple of years, I think it's been quite, you know, I think everyone's being pushed to breaking point. Yeah. Not just people, not just people, but services as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're lucky though, because you've had your black Labrador with you. So, I mean, you're really lucky. Yes, I know. Yes. Well, some days I feel very lucky. Uh, Some days if she has an accident, not so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but no, that's, so it's, it's things like it's small things like that. Talking to friends, family, having a pet. In my case, the Labrador, um, you know, and keeping busy as well. Yeah. I mean, with OCD, you know, the sort of therapies that you have. One of them is sort of the CBT, the cognitive behavioural therapy, which is like a talking therapy where you you sort of break down your problems. You probably put it into some sort of cycle and try to tackle what the problem is and why is it a risk. Um, you know, if you've got an unhelpful thought, the CBT therapy tackles. You sort of write down these unhelpful thoughts mm. and you start to question them. So you sort of fire away at these unhelpful thoughts. And then the idea is that when you come back later to have a look at that and you read those unhelpful thoughts again, if they start to look a bit silly, that's good because that means whatever you whatever you've um, you know discussed in that first instance, yeah, um, you know you you sort of getting I wouldn't say used to, but it's becoming less severe. So CBT is really really good, um, and I definitely recommend that. Definitely as a starting point. But then, as I said earlier, with private therapists, OCD requires a bit of a specialist um, sort of treatment. So one of those is the response prevention uh, treatment. So that's where you you might have a hierarchy of issues um, that your OCD is telling you in your head, okay. you know, certain, like certain thoughts and and things and you might write those down in a hierarchy based on the severity and you, and you give them a score and that, yeah. Yeah, it can, I think it could probably out of 10 I think it was and you know whatever you you start to score these things based on the severity and how much it impacts you and gives you anxiety and then the idea is that with your therapist under supervision that you know that you expose yourself to some of these concerns Mm. Um, and I, I found that very intriguing, actually, because when you expose yourself to a fear or something that makes you really anxious, to me, initially, I thought, well, that's going to make you really bad. Mm. But actually, it's the, op- it's the opposite and, and, and definitely an eye opener for me. And one of the analogies they used was somebody who's scared of spiders. I'm not going to mention your name, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, so the, one of the analogies was that if someone is absolutely terrified of spiders and let's say that a spider was always hanging around in the foyer, you know, the main entrance of a supermarket. Mm. And that person got so frightened that they never went to a supermarket again in case mm. there was a spider. If you start to expose yourself and start to go to supermarkets and you realize that there's no spider, or if there is one, but you can just walk under it and nothing happens, your brain is then trained to realise that these unhelpful thoughts and feelings and anxious, you know, sort of um, 
things that are, are occurring actually aren't a problem. Mm. And it's trying to it's trying to convince the mind. I mean, the mind is a complex thing. It's trying to convince your mind that these problems that are reoccurring in your head actually aren't as severe as you think. Mm. And I know it's easy to say. Trust me, it's very easy to say, but doing it is another thing. Yeah. But that's what this response prevention's about. It's about tackling and sort of not avoiding things that concern you. Now, obviously, you've got to take that with common sense. If there, if there's something which is so damaging, but you actually don't need it in your life, mm. then that, that avoidance is okay. But if yeah. there's certain things that you're avoiding, which you actually need to live, you know, or, or work appropriately in, in the modern society, then obviously that would be a really bad avoidance. So things like going to the supermarket, for example, we all need to go to the shop at some point. So that would be avoidance mm. in its high, highest case. So that's the, that's the therapies, you know, that, that you need to really look at. Uh, uh, CBT and response prevention. Um, definitely for, for the OCD and mm. that that's what um, that, that's what I've experienced really it just makes you realize how complex the mind really is um, oh definitely definitely because it's definitely been an insight for me you know and like I said at the start of this I thought exposing mm-hmm. yourself to these fears was going to do more damage than good yeah but actually no and you know if if you want to go back to it's very hard to you know you cannot probably cure h uh, ocd 100 percent. yeah but what you can do is make it bearable live a normal life Mm. and start to manage it and that's that's the key yeah is to manage to manage it and cbt and response prevention are two methods to do that so if you have a private therapist and they don't mention response prevention and you've got ocd i'm not a professional so i can't say that they're right or wrong but personally if that was not mentioned or part of your of your treatment mm. that would be a concern for me yeah and that's that 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 is something you know and there are more it's not just those two there are more treatment methods i'm sure there's other therapies there's medication you know there's all sorts of things but those two are the two terms that i i hear a lot Mm. when it comes down to to the ocd treatments oh god but yeah, it, it yes. does make you sit and think, and this is why I love doing episodes like this, because I get to hear it from somebody else's point of view about what they've been through. Um, mm, yeah. And then I get to learn a little bit as well, although what exactly my brain does take in, I'm not quite <laughs> sure half the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so thank you for coming on. No, that's I'm, I'm I'm pleased you invited me. I'm I'm pleased to be part of it. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's good. Well, you're officially part of the life and pastimes community now. So, yes, exciting. Now, do I get a t-shirt and a mug? I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, I heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> you just know me too well. Um, I know. I know. 
Now it's time for the curveball question. Life and pastimes. God. Is this the first time this has happened? Uh, yes. Oh, great. <laughs> now I'm going Go to on, ask then. every guest this that comes on. So what is your biggest achievement to date? Oh, Jem, you do push the boat out, don't you? These questions. Yeah, I, I do. My biggest achievement is probably, aside from, you know, the normal things that I always talk about, like employment and career, I would say would be the saving up and finally purchasing my own house. Yeah, I, think, I would I think, agree I, I, with I, that. I, 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 I think that, that that's recent you know, and that's another stress. And, you know, someone once told me the biggest stresses in life is uh, moving house, divorce. Um, I think it's it, or death in the family or, 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 or something like that. And obviously I have in recent times just bought my own house. So, <laughs> you know, um, and with COVID going on. So it's been, it's been, but that, that for me saving up because, you know, I did, I did at one point foresee, you know, being stuck in a rental cycle. Mm. Um, and I'm really glad that I've been able to save and get my own property and get on the housing ladder, which mm. I think for me, that, that that's probably my, my achievement. But if I can do that inside, you know, a COVID a global pandemic on top of OCD symptoms. Yeah. Then, well, I don't want to say what the future holds, but I'm hoping I never have to experience a combination quite like that again, really. I'm hoping not. <laughs> <laughs> no, so am I. <laughs> yeah, but definitely. No. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Um, no, thank you for having me. This is definitely something that has to be talked about more to get the point across. Um, so, yeah, if you're out there and you've got a friend that's struggling, please, please do take the time to listen to them because you never know what's around that corner. Exactly. And a lot of people, they probably feel silly. I know I did feel really silly about OCD and the sort of silly thoughts that can come into your head like you know um like for such social media for example if mm. if I didn't call myself the same uh, nickname on one social media compared to the other one I couldn't cope with that and it would your brain would cycle around saying no you know you must have the same you know it's silly it's really silly to some people but you know telling your mind you know that you know some sometimes just talking Mm. and getting seeking that help um you know can be an absolute lifesaver um with the, with the ocd I, mm. I have to say you know and it's again it's all different for everyone it's that certainly for me it's not cleaning it's nothing to do with cleaning or anything <laughs> <laughs> you know and um yeah i think that people still think it's that mm. It's definitely a stigma that needs to be tackled. Definitely. definitely. Right. Thank you for joining us. Um, yes, thank you. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that chat with Adam and how incredibly brave he was to come on here and share his story. 
Um, there's one thing that I wanted to kind of throw out to all you listeners out there, and that's the fact of it still takes 30 days to delete your social media account. Why is that, and do you think that's a good thing? Um... So I want to get your opinion. So I, as soon as this podcast goes live, um, I will put up a question and answer box on the at Life and Pastimes Instagram account, which is at Life and Pastimes podcast. So if you would like to put your answers in the question box, I would very much appreciate it. And I will, of course, go through those on maybe the last podcast of the season. So we'll see. Also, if you could please do the same thing on Twitter and give us a follow over there as well, at Life and Pastime, that would be absolutely amazing. And I hope once again that you have enjoyed this episode And I will, of course, see you next week with another one. Thank you for listening.